I'm gonna just, I'm gonna mute my audio interface because I can hear my cat playing some synths in the background. <laughs> so one sec. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth episode of Stand By Me. This is a podcast where we get an artist to choose a superfan who supported them over many years, turned up at loads of their shows and met them countless times to have an in-depth chat with them together. A lot of people don't realise that being a fan of an artist in your teens and onwards can completely change your life and that's something I'm hoping to continue to uncover with Stand By Me. I'm Katie Craig, fan veteran, mastermind of this podcast and sometimes the host of the thing. If you want to hear my fan story, it's in episode one. But today we're speaking to the Midnight Beast. Drew and Stefan are here, as well as fan Eleanor Keefe. Hello. Woo! Hello. Hi. <laughs> Is that the moment where Els goes, I'm not a fan of the Midnight Beast? <laughs> that, that, was true. that wasn't what you told me the podcast was. <laughs> so that the listeners can differentiate your voices, I want you to say a word, any word, the first word that comes into your head after I say a name. All right? So, okay. Drew. Rum. <laughs> <laughs> Steph? Kebab shop. That's two words, but okay. Oh, sorry. Els? Cats. Nice. I, I mean, you sort of miss a trick not saying... The Midnight Beast! Oh, oh, I'm still thinking about uh, Biggie playing Steph's uh, piano or whatever it was just before we started recording. <laughs> so if the listeners don't know who the Midnight Beast are, they probably weren't a teenager in the first half of 2010s, to be honest, because absolutely everyone at my school knew them. Off the back of your uh, viral parody cover of Kesha's TikTok, which reached a million views on YouTube in 24 hours, apparently, unless that's something your booking agent embellished on their site. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Who knows? It was just me sat there constantly, like, refresh, refresh, yeah, refresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, off the back of that viral success in 2009, they ended up going to start tours, released an autobiography, reached number one in the comedy charts with three albums, and land two series of their own self-titled sitcom on E4, of which I actually have seen every episode. Oh, Amazing! Thanks. <laughs> I, re- I remember watching it uh, with my dad back in the day, but I mentioned this to him the other day, and he said he couldn't remember it at all. Oh, so that is amazing. A lasting impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, having both YouTube fans and TV show fans, you could describe the Midnight Beast as a comedy band with a boy band's fan base, which makes them an excellent subject for today's episode. So I could go on for much longer telling you all about these guys, but it's not all about the Midnight Beast today. We've got Els here too. Woo! So Els, Hello. tell us, what was the first moment you remember noticing Steph, Drew and Ash? I was uh, one of those first viewers, I'd say, on the uh, TikTok video, because this was back in the day uh, with my best friend Courtney, and we would sit for hours upon hours watching YouTube of all sorts. This was when like Harry Potter, the Puppet Pals and Annoying Orange and all that kind of yes. stuff was was the rage. And um, she, she called me over and she was like, you need to watch this video. And it was TikTok. And we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Oh. To this day, I don't know the words to the original Kesha song. <laughs> if it comes on, I'm like, I'm mad really bad. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the first time. And that had, oh, I mean, I don't know exactly, but it had a very small amount of views at the time. And then I remember going into school sort of for the next day or the, the week afterwards and everyone was just talking about the Midnight Beast and TikTok. And uh, we thought we were the cool kids because we saw it first. So that was 2009. <laughs> yes. Um, when was the first time you saw the Midnight Beast in the flesh? 
so whether you guys remember it or not, I'm really hoping you don't remember it, was the first time <laughs> I met you at, uh, it was October 6th, 2012. It remembers the, the date, October the 6th. I know. Love it, love it. At the I Kicked a Tour on the Face Tour down at the Boscomo 2, I was <laughs> determined to meet you guys. Got there early and uh, they were handing out wristbands for a meet and greet for the first 50 people. And Ooh. I was the 51st person in the queue. Oh, oh shit. Oh, it was heartbreak, but it was okay because I managed to go around to the like stage door bit at the back and there's a very embarrassing picture that exists of me and you, Steph, and I'm really hoping you don't remember that one. Um, <laughs> I've, I found that picture and I'm going to put it on Instagram when oh, I post it. I was going to say, I, I need to see this picture. It's, it's, That's awesome. Imagine the, the barrier that was between you guys and, and us and lots of us, <laughs> and it's me leaning over about 10 people just crowd surfing with my arm. <laughs> around Steph kissing him on the cheek looking like I'm strangling It's amazing. Him. It looks like one of those Renaissance paintings because there's loads of like bodies and faces around and you're like the one that's got in in front and is kissing him. It's, it's really Oh, good. that's amazing. No, there's a video as well. Drew, you're like signing things and I'm like, Drew, can you say I love you? Like screaming to you and you're just there like, Say I it now, you. Drew. Say it now. I love you. <laughs> oh, I love you too. <laughs> Full circle. Look at that. So yeah, Els, in that day, you said so you were queuing up pretty early. What time did you get there, would you say? Uh, maybe about midday. I remember midday. I was hardcore. So you get there at twelve, but the doors don't open till like six, seven. How do you feel in that day? Like what's the emotions that you're going through or like It's kind of just and I feel like from listening to your first episode and sort of your story, Katie, that you can kind of know this emotion of just it feels like a blur like the whole day you're on edge but you always make friends with people in the queue and and i'll be like oh there's so and so on twitter and like a really stupid yeah. twitter handle but then they're like oh yeah i know that person yours is elsie abingdon right yeah <laughs> it's still it's still that to this day it was always that to clarify to the listeners that's steph's surname abingdon i feel like i should be asking the question here is why the hell wasn't it weekly Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you were in my bio for ages. I had to have all your names in the bios and like, oh, Steph followed me on this Aww. date. Um, no, it was that was my that was it. I kind of got a Twitter because I was only uh, eleven, I think, when I first found wow. you guys. So obviously, wow. that's quite. This was. Were you before... even old enough to be watching that? Oh, definitely not. I used to. I used to have my little iPod Nano, and whenever I would listen to uh, Booty Call or TikTok, I'd be like, "I hope my mum can't hear this." Like swearing. <laughs> yeah, no. So I just created that Twitter handle because I knew I kind of wanted to use Twitter for things like keeping in touch with you guys and tweeting you and this and that. And this was back in the day where that was the normal thing to do was to sort of, yeah. if you were a fan of something, you would have your Twitter handle. I had the same. I had Mrs. Sparks, which was the singer <laughs> of the band. I loved surname as well. Amazing. <laughs> um, it did used to be Elsie Abingdon 69 because, you know, mature. Wonder where I got that from. 11 years old. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, decided that should probably go considering people look you up now for job interviews views and stuff so that one but, but you've still got it you've still got it though i've still got that abingdon i can't bring myself to change that i think that's oh. just oh that's nice it's that, like this has always been a huge part weekly. of my life okay i'll double barrel it <laughs> yeah double barreled yeah but that's also how we identified some of our fans as well is by yeah. remembering twitter handles so whether mm. it was intentional like it did the trick because that always stuck out if we saw a comment or 
alike or whatever. But I kind of don't, I didn't, I almost forget these days because like little things growing up, me and my best friend Chelsea, we'd call each other's mums like Mummy Abingdon, Mummy Horn, this and that. It's like a joke. <laughs> my mum is still saved in my phone as Mummy Abingdon. And it's just... That's so amazing. Funny. That's what she's known as. Mummy <laughs> People think it's my last name as well because i think with our generation it, facebook isn't really as much of a thing and i'm mm, always on yeah. twitter and instagram and I, i've actually ended up dating someone once who until two months in was like oh yeah your, your surname's abingdon and i was like <laughs> no oh way. my god what have i done <laughs> that's that so good so yeah so if so if uh, if one day you get married do you think you'll change it Oh, uh, sorry, Steph, but I think I would have to, yeah, <laughs> one day. Or I'll one keep day. that account as, like, my secret fan account. Nice. You know, the kids will be like, oh, my God, they've just uploaded a new video. So excited. <laughs> so how, how does that feel for you, Steph, like, as the person on, like, the receiving end of that? It doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't feel weird anymore. I, mm. I, I, think, I think at the beginning, I mean, you know, we uploaded that first video in 2009, so... That's so long ago now. And at the beginning, obviously, it all felt mad. And it still does when I think about it. Mm. But yeah, I, I guess it's not as weird anymore. It's cool. It's awesome. All right for some. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm privileged. <laughs> Drew's fucked. <laughs> we had fan bases that like... Well, well, we had fans that also loved like One Direction who were like a major label act. And then we were like doing stuff on our own. And it was amazing that they kind of thought of us in the same it's, like, yes, way. Yes, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's like when you're that age, like early teens, you don't realize, yeah. like ev if someone's famous, they're famous. And it's like yeah. you get to that line and then everything above is as famous yeah, as each definitely. other. Absolutely. But like they don't realize that there's a whole gulf between someone like the Midnight Beast and One Direction. It's all just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. Growing up, I remember like yeah. the... the tweeting you guys or things like that and that would feel like having as much distance between us as someone like one direction like you just yeah felt that you know even now thinking back sometimes it will get little butterflies thinking about all those times like when you'd get retweeted or someone would yeah. tweet you or follow you and it was like the best thing that could ever happen in regards yeah. to that like sort of godlike status you had in the fans eyes did things <laughs> ramp up even more so after the E4 show, like obviously you have YouTube fans, but then TV show fans are a whole nother level. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was weird. There'd be so many times where you'd be on like maybe a tube or a bus, and you'd see people like kind of looking, like they you feel like they kind of recognised you, or like, but you don't yeah. want to kind of be like, oh, someone spotted me. That's that's <laughs> nice, isn't it? <laughs> One thing that definitely changed, though, I thought was I I, I think the difference between because what we had before the TV show was like just anyone that knew the Midnight Beast knew it because they'd like gone out and found it or or they'd like typed in the Midnight Beast lesbian friends or whatever. But like the weird thing with TV is it's like sometimes just on in your house without you even like yeah. kind of mm. wanting it on. And and I think Like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and and so suddenly like we were like being beamed into people's houses that may not have necessarily wanted to see us. And like That's very true. so like people didn't always hold back like in the street about like letting us know about that. Yeah. And like suddenly it went from like us being able to be like oh i reckon they'd be into the midnight beast because they're like a certain age group or whatever to like 
a taxi driver might lean out the window and be like, saw you on TV. Or like someone will be like, <laughs> I think you're famous, mate. And you'd be like, I mean, if you don't know who I am, I don't think I'm famous. <laughs> like... In our early videos, because we didn't think about it, Steph's parents' address was quite kind of, uh, you could track his parents' house quite easily through the video. Yeah. <laughs> Just because we didn't, we, you know, we thought nothing of it. So, you know, his like door number and the house name was like, quite apparent mm. in the video and like obviously even his parents at the time didn't didn't kind of care after it kind of snowballed a bit you, we started having a few people outside your parents house didn't we and sometimes wow. we'd like try yeah. and sneak and out to shoot a video and they'd be like there there were a few nights where like people would stand on the doorstep and just do that on the bells at like 2 a.m and oh, stuff no. um so like all the neighbors would like get uh, get it wrong and stuff mm. and probably three years into the midnight beast it would still like happen and i moved out and like there were a few times where my parents would have to like go out and be like they're not even here, or, yeah. or like maybe we would be there. Your, you had to put online your new address, like, guys, stop going to my parents' house, I live here now. This exactly. is the new one. Come over here instead, <laughs> exactly. Now I stand on my doorstep going, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> step, step. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, that was mad, for sure. Yeah. Like, Els, I think... Els, did you know anything about that? Like, did you know anyone yes. that did that? So... She was the ringleader. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I remember a video being on YouTube of these two girls going to your mum's house and it was Crazy. the most uncomfortable video ever. Um, you, oh, you're no. just walking back with like a Tesco's bag or something. Bless you guys, because you're so Crazy. genuine and humble. You're not going to be like, you know, fuck off, leave me alone. You were like, no. hi. But they were obviously too nervous to kind of initiate a conversation. You guys were yeah. like, this is just my house. Like, I'm just going in. Yeah. For me personally, Crazy. that's not really something that, you know, has ever crossed my mind. Yes, being an obsessed fan, but there's been a couple of times of like other fans that have been like, we should do this. And I'm like, do you really want to push that barrier? Like, yeah. Because like, at the end of the day, you guys are just, you guys, and I'm not going to, log on to this podcast and be like, oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, I, I am disappointed, to be honest. I was hoping that. Uh, it'll be when I log off, I'll be like, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> but that's not to say that um, I haven't done some obsessive, crazy fan things in my life. I'm not claiming to be, like, completely sane. But... Yeah, yeah. What, 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 what were the weird things you did? Um, oh, uh, I remember for your birthdays because all of your birthdays fall on january me and my yeah. best mate chelsea made this huge box of just random <laughs> crap we found at Poundland and <laughs> sent it to you guys with like valentine's day cards in like oh we're better than your girlfriends <laughs> like all this, kind, all this kind of stuff that is great do those valentine's cards or those gifts like <laughs> ring a bell for you do you remember getting those cards Oh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, because we used to have a P.O. box. Our, our mates were in a lot of bands, normally like rock bands, and they wouldn't get that kind of thing apart from like maybe quite a lot of the time when they toured kind of Asia and stuff, mm. like those kind of gifts and like cards and presents and stuff would come. But we were always so lucky to kind of get that stuff. So, yeah, we'd have a few days kind of going through, but I don't remember the specific ones. Yeah, <laughs> That sorry. one was more so that box that we sent off. I remember Drew writing you specifically a letter um, that was yeah. quite a uh, heartfelt like because I lost Aww. my dad to cancer when I was 10 and yeah. that's why I think initially I had that connection with you guys because like you yeah. said YouTube felt safe and that yeah. was my Definitely. my 
safe space and what made me happy and then obviously you release the song called daddy which is um about not having a father on father's day and obviously the context is slightly different i do genuinely vaguely remember that like i'm not just saying that to to be kind but i do yeah you, you sent me a message on twitter after that and you were sort of like oh thank you so much like it's great to hear your story blah 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 and I was in a lesson at the time and lost my shit because that was the first interaction (laughs) I had with you and had my phone taken away um so I had to wait till the end of the day to get my phone back uh to see what you sent so that was nice and that's kind of why you guys have always had that special special place in my heart because obviously it was quite difficult growing up after something that drastic to happen in your life so it's nice to associate my childhood well childhood teenagehood with you guys than than sort of like the bad memories necessarily something positive yeah 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 that's amazing that's sort of all i kind of was known for in school was just this obsession anytime we had kind of the creative outlet to involve something of our personalities i would like when i was doing gcse dance i would use songs from chapters and stuff like that which is one of steph's other bands and i remember we had a like a woodworking class and we could make a box and like paint it how we wanted and it was just full of midnight beast quotes and you get known as that and yeah it's nice to look back now on the odd occasion when people weren't at their nicest about my obsession and sort of you know that you'd always have those some people that were like oh they don't even know you exist and you're just a number Mm. this and that to now sit here in this environment like speaking to you guys as friends like Mm. it's crazy yeah but yeah definitely identity growing up that's all i ever was really was the midnight beast fan it is a weird feeling because it's that feeling where you have an ownership at school of something and then like you go outside of that bubble and suddenly like other people are into it and i remember that feeling of like kind of first going to gigs whether it was like i was obsessed with like bring me the horizon when they first started and and glass jaw and and that kind of stuff and and i always remember that feeling like where you'd go to the show like me and Drew would go to like Blink-182 and like all the other kids would be in Atticus and you'd be like, holy shit, there's other kids that are like wearing Macbeth and Atticus yeah. in their merch and like, we're not the only ones. Yeah, and, like, I remember like there was, because I'm such a huge fan of, as probably everyone knows, of Travis Barker. And I remember yeah. like going to, I think it was one of our like old, like first band shows, it's like Community Hall. And I was like such an avid fan. I felt like I knew all of his drums and, you know, this, that and the other. And this kid turned up with a Travis Barker sort of replica, like signature kit. And I remember yeah. just hating on him for, for no reason other than the fact <laughs> yeah. that like, well, I'm the Travis Barker fan. Like, what are you doing? Like, and, yeah. you know, it was just a weird sort of mindset. I was just like, mm. that is. was You're like shit. school for me. I remember, you know, every Mufti day I'd have my Midnight Beast video on this and that. And um, a new girl started a couple of years below me and came in with a Midnight Beast hoodie. And it was literally like, you know that tumbleweed gun scene like yeah. <laughs> I, I love how that's the reaction not like oh great a friend you yeah, steal I my know. legacy like this yeah. is mine yeah it's funny um, isn't it i remember you guys were like on mtv and i was sat in my lounge with courtney watching this and being like oh my god and almost like a little bit of jealousy in a way because you're like oh that was my little like everyone likes mm. them now like that was that's my genuine favorite people and everyone's like oh yeah i love them and it's like well <laughs> is your surname their name <laughs> i think so yeah what's your twitter handle come on <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> me and drew met at um drama group when i think i was 13 and drew was like 
15, Drew didn't play drums, but knew that he wanted to, weirdly. He just used to, like, come around mine with a plank of wood and, like... (laughs) (laughs) So budget, dude. So budget. It was. Like, actually remember, like, walking back to my house and you finding a plank of wood in the street (laughs) and having to tap along. Just your parents Um, being like, who's this weird kid with a plank of wood? (laughs) (laughs) And And I think I was, like... Quite instrumental in helping convince your mum to to get you a drum kit. Oh, massively. But I remember saying like saying to them like, oh, oh you know, I want to play drums. And then my mum was like, oh, you can actually play. And I hadn't like played on a kit before. I was like, what's all that, no. all that plank of wood playing? <laughs> exactly. I think Drew always imagined that he'd be behind the drum kit, yeah. like when it came to music, and like not like at the front of the stage on a, on a wireless mic doing dance routines <laughs> with us. <laughs> like... How did it feel being in like a few normal bands? You you've been in a few bands before the Midnight Beast, and yeah. then it being like the joke one that took off. Is that <laughs> yeah. weird to get your head round? Just our yeah. luck, to be honest. <laughs> I know. I mean. Yeah, that's the thing. It was just a weird thing where it wasn't even that, like, the other bands were, like, so dog shit that, like, we managed <laughs> to, like, end up in... Like, they, they, they were all cool, but it was mm. just this one that was, like, fully comedic. And I think that was something we'd been playing with. I mean, everything, definitely that I've written lyrically has had, like, a bit of a sense of humour. It is weird that that is the one that took off because that that is definitely... That was kind of our escape from music, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> which is a weird thing. Yeah. The Midnight Beast was that sort of first one that we just didn't really give a fuck. And it yeah. wasn't that we were trying too hard in the other ones, you know, but obviously we set out with a goal to try and get signed or to try and go and tour or to make an album, mm. like as you do when you're a teenager and you're playing in a band. But I think as Steph said, with The Midnight Beast, we genuinely were just three friends dicking about and I think yeah. the fact that that all happened so organically and kind of happened before our eyes and you know obviously along the way we teamed up with management and we had little run-ins with labels that they never yeah. never signed but we kind of got to do all that crazy shit but it just kind of happened naturally and as yeah. cheesy as it sounds I think that was just probably a bit more appealing just the fact that it was doing the stuff you love. Like YouTube was so much more homely back then as well. Like I've yeah, kind of, like, I've got such a love hate relationship with it now. And but you know, like I kind of get why and stuff. And and obviously not to go too deep, but obviously YouTube, as we know, is just such a kind of commercial tool now. And obviously it does its mm. job. And it's you can still some, find some incredible talent and awesome bits of work and art and whatever. But it yeah. was just, like YouTube was just such as kind of like just sling something up for fun. Like no one really yeah. thought about yeah. it. No one cared about thumbnails and tags and algorithms and shit like that it was just like just mates dicking about do you think compared to youtube stars now you're pretty Mm. tame or did you get away with more than they can now oh we got away with more yeah yeah obviously in a good way so i don't hope no one takes offense to this but like the world is so i think everyone's a bit cautious about what to say which i think is quite right and obviously art and comedy is so subjective and there's things you should definitely shouldn't say and do obviously but I think like we were just a bit kind of free, carefree, really. I think the whole of mm. YouTube was. And I feel like we got away with a lot of shit. Yeah. From my memory, the worst backlash that you guys got was from the <laughs> Use Your Head video, uh, yes. which was, if people haven't seen it, essentially uh, a sex ed video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Officially. That was meant to be promoting safe sex and instead yeah. had lyrics such as one up the bum and you won't be a mum <laughs> i mean it's true well yeah i don't think the guardian liked that though did they or was it no. them that 
did an article on it or something. It was like Metro, front front page of the Metro. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was like, it, 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 the, the whole campaign was basically don't trust the Midnight Beast, like have a lark, uh, which, which is an implant, yeah. a contraceptive implant instead. So the whole campaign was meant to be us giving bad safe sex advice. And they took it out of context. Massively. And it taught us a lot Massively. about media that I think yeah. everyone's learning this pandemic, which is... Well, I mean, I mean, you haven't got yourself into like global hot bother like most YouTube stars these days. So True. Yeah, I think you're Definitely. all right. Like when you compare that to some of the things that happen now. This is the this is the weird thing. I mean, with with use your head, especially like it ended up like on the right stuff in like a discussion and stuff. And the thing that made us Mad. really proud was loads of the fans that were between the ages of twelve to like twenty six or something messaging this TV show like. If you think we're stupid enough to trust the Midnight Beast with sex advice, <laughs> then you're an idiot. <laughs> I remember having to create a second YouTube for that because it was age restricted. And obviously I was oh like, so I was like, I must see this yeah. video. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So I know that you guys are pretty interested in fans yourselves because you literally have a podcast about fan fiction, which is crazy. <laughs> is there a lot of Midnight Beast fan fiction out there? What, what's that like? Oh, my. Sorry, I oh, just had Elf, to flash back. No, I remember. Um, oh, there was a lot of Stashley fan fiction, Stefan and Ashley yeah. fan fiction. Again, and, left um, out. What the fuck is this? You, you were just watching. Always yeah, the afterthought, always. Katie. Always the afterthought. I don't understand. Not being funny, Joe, you're probably glad you were left out of yeah. this one. Um, yeah. Silver lining. It was called, I don't know if you remember, The Milk Fic? <laughs> no. Oh. oh, so I remember it growing up. It was this very erotic, uh, let's say, love story between Ash and Steph and one up the bum and you won't be a mum. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's got great content for fan fiction. Right. Yeah. Lyrics, isn't it? Um, it's basically, in just describing in depth of, you know, flushing your system out before <laughs> before you get down and dirty with uh, with Bad. some milk. And we Googled Hilarious. into this this um, fan fiction and the, the person's like now in jail like they were that <gasps> twisted what that they had like you know some nasty pornography on their computers things like that but and then i was like guilty for like finding this thing funny for so long because it was like written by someone who's now in something. prison like it's crazy it's crazy then obviously you had your like, more you know light-hearted midnight beast fan fiction but yeah that that for me is one that i think any hardcore midnight beast fan you mentioned the milk thick and they know they they really? know what you're talking about <laughs> it's so crazy i mean the, the the other memory i have is is there was like a website which was basically like an anonymous tumblr what was it called drew was it wasn't like tmb secrets but it was like something oh um oh it was a confession i remember it midnight yeah. beast confessions yeah. or something yeah it was just like an anonymous tumbler and like these like mad confessions would come out and sometimes they'd be like really sweet and sometimes they'd be like really mm. intense yeah i remember that um, remember that page that was did you put any horrifying. in no <laughs> no. Uh, that's, all, that's all in the window box at home yeah yeah <laughs> no i was very open about um 
just strangling Steph. It was all out in the open. Yeah. Profile picture for five years. Didn't have yeah, any confessions. I've been there. <laughs> so, Els, at what point did you feel you were getting closer to the Midnight Beast as like people rather than just a fan? Like, take me through how that happened. So, I think it was um, when I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival when they were performing uh, All Killer, which was their original show that they wrote, and that was kind of a chance to really get to know them as and what um, year was that that was 2017 um which feels like ages ago now <laughs> you know i'd seen you guys a few times sort of before then and obviously we'd done all the pledge campaigns and stuff like that but i was just going along to expect to see the, the show a few times and um yeah we would end up going out to other shows and late nights like the famous first words karaoke night and it was just mind-blowing and I remember constantly saying to you guys like please tell me to leave if this is because I didn't want to (laughs) outstay my welcome I didn't want to be that fan that turns up and rings all the doorbells I just wanted to sort of come (laughs) along and but yeah so I think that was the first time that I was like oh okay this feels like a bit more of a friendship than than this and that despite me constantly being like do you want me to go Um, (laughs) that was great because i'd see you at the end and it would be like oh let me just say hey to some fans first i'd be like that's usually me you're saying hi to i'm I'm, I'm not that now and then you'd be like oh we're going to this tonight do you want to come along with us and it, it was just so like that's one of the best best moments of my life just because it was so fun anyway being at the fringe festival but then to spend some like quality time with you guys getting to know you and and just sort of breaking down that barrier between fan and friend was just we amazing we certainly we certainly saw you as more than just a fan that kept turning up to things as well obviously we always like appreciated you guys and that and that kind of circle that always was a familiar face whether it's at shows or on set and stuff but yeah, I think it was definitely like it was never a sort of awkward like kind of oh here she is again like genuinely there <laughs> no. was never it was oh, always be, it kind of became more of a regular like friendship like you said yeah 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 I remember I turned up for the second week mm. and I don't think I told you guys I was coming and we were in the Pleasance Dome and like you were coming back with a cider or something and I just ran up to you I was like <laughs> boo and you genuinely looked so happy to see me and that was a shock for me because i thought you guys were going to be like for god's sake she's back again no it meant not at all. so much and Aww. again well, it meant so much well. that you kept coming back <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times did you think you've seen the guys like oh I, i've lost count i i don't know <laughs> i genuinely don't know but it got to the point with with all killer because i'd come and see it every night that i, I can't remember if it was you drew or ash that was like right we're gonna get a plaque on that seat and that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be your seat dedicated to you and little things like ash ash i remember him saying like oh you're like our little good luck charm sort of thing and Aww. and he was like I, I get happy like when i see you in the audience and like that's crazy because you always think of it as the other way around it's like mm. oh I, I get to see you on stage but you never think of it the other way around i think um, that, that's really important though. that is definitely true like i think yeah for us you know when we get to pick out familiar faces you kind of know you're you must be doing something right and it's yeah. really like nice to see people returning the fact that you know you as a familiar face and and what was becoming such a friendly face to keep coming back was like, again it was reassuring for us to know that you were definitely enjoying it. You weren't just being yeah. polite, like, you know, so that was, yeah. it's, it's nice for us to see. Steph, I remember afterwards, we'd always have, it felt like a little debrief after every All Killer show. Yeah. You'd be like, how was it? Was the sound okay? And I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> that um, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, because you can compare all the different ones because you've gone yeah. so many times. Yeah. yeah. Steph comes back to the dressing room and goes, right, she hated it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Back to the drawing Back board. Back up your shit. <laughs> and then obviously did the did the tattoo, Steph. That, yeah. Uh, what was that? I. So I always wanted like a, a Midnight Beast related tattoo or something to do with that. And we were just sat down talking about tattoo ideas and I mentioned it to you, Steph, and you're like, right, let's do it. And you kind of, I had a notepad, so you wrote out the lyrics and I got them, got them tattooed. And it was for, um, it was for, I can't even remember what song it is. So obviously Dream I remember the lyrics. What song? Dream Shaper? Yeah, that's it. Dream Shaper. Yeah, yes. Yeah, which was, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, like, I feel like there is no better compliment to a songwriter than someone wanting to get lyrics tattooed. So that that was awesome. Yeah, I could have got one up the bum and you won't be a mum tattooed. So at least I well, went. I was gonna say the right kind of lyrics. There's still time. <laughs> Maybe I'll write it on a plank of wood instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the lyrics that are, are tattooed are "Jump and we'll make it, fall and we'll fly," which I just think are so beautiful as words because that's kind of been my motto in life thanks to you guys is to just just do things like don't have a fear just jump for it I think that's just a great motto to live by and whenever I've had like a a real kind of dark patch those are just words that are so meaningful and so happy and you know even to just have the tattoo if you're feeling crap and just think about Edinburgh and like how far you can come that's really cool you know you get older and you kind of drift away from things but with you guys it's never been that I've kind of always come back and whether that's because of the kind of friendship and relationship we've built up I don't know but definitely like Mm. even Steph down to your Twitch streams now that's something that I'll still sort of if I'm not working or something like that will tune in on and it's just fun to watch oh that's great I now live with my best friend who I met through you guys and we met at gravity force um when you guys did the pledge campaign but we kind of didn't know each other we just knew each other's twitter handles but it's always that awkward like you meet someone online for the first time in person (laughs) and it's like i'm usually used to saying hello on a keyboard like yeah yeah um but yeah no just internet friends after that and then properly saw each other at the 2016 gig and that was it inseparable ever since um crazy and she's yeah she's amazing and I'm so grateful for that. Shout out, Lauren. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. It's nice when you can have friendships outside of a fandom as well, because as amazing as it is yeah. to sort of have things in common, it's even better to make a true friendship out of it yeah. and have a lifelong friend at the end of so, it, which So you is don't great. just sit around in your house talking about Midnight Beast anymore. Well. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're there every night drawing pictures of them. And, and... Oh, I know Amazing. what to write in next year's Valentine's card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We better activate the P.O. box. Yeah. <laughs> we have the occasional yeah, little boogies to the songs again, but no late night Valentine's card writing sessions. <laughs> How's it feel having people there to support you for over a decade of your life and career? That's mad. Insane. Like it's yeah, mad. like I'm so fucking I, grateful. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, it never dawns on us that it's normal. Like, whether it was like the first shows that we did, or the shows even in the height of the TV show, or the tour that we did last December. Like, it's mad that people were there in the beginning, were yeah. there in the middle of it, or <laughs> are still there now. It, it the the idea of having like fans of any sort is amazing. Yeah. 
I think we were lucky to have like quite a turbulent career and like weirdly I think a lot of artists would think it's just sick to be like always up there but yeah. I I personally never appreciated the fans at the beginning in the way that I do now I think we saw like numbers on a screen and we were like this is crazy but like it was like mass and it was hard to take it in because we've had ups and we've had downs and we've 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 seen what it's like to kind of climb back up and then and then for it to dwindle down it's so hard to get people's attention so like one person watching is like so instrumental in building something because you know that you've got something that that one person relates to so i think if a new artist doesn't appreciate every single fan as hard as that could be um then that's definitely a mistake i think it also just feels pretty surreal like to think that yeah you know i think even if someone, I mean, you kind of touched on this stuff, but even if someone maybe yeah. liked TikTok or liked one random video throughout, you know, the 10 years, it still is a bizarre thing because we've always held so dearly that it was just the three of us sticking about. And the fact that people kind of supported that or found comfort in that or it inspired people in some sort of way just kind of doesn't really feel real. And I don't mean that no. in a bad way. Like it just feels bizarre yeah. that people were able to kind of go on this journey with us Um it's just like, you're all fools. I don't know why you did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that feels like a, a good place to wrap up. But um, one final thing before we go, and thanks so much for being on this and telling your story. Oh, all of thanks you. for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. No, yeah. thank you. No, it's genuinely great. But Els, one final thing. Um, while I was stalking your Instagram <laughs> before this, you oh, said in, in one post that you'd like to write a novel on all the things that these guys have done for you over the years. And I guess oh. this is sort of finally the outlet for that. This is your novel. Is is there anything else you'd like to say to the guys while you're here to, to end on? God knows. It's, it's more of an emotion <laughs> than anything else. Like, I don't think even if I wrote a novel, I'd ever be able to sort of express my gratitude. But just know that you've made a difference. You never from a fan's perspective, you never know how long you're going to get with that artist and if you're ever going to see them again. If I had only had that moment at stage door with you back in 2012, as much as I can joke about it now because I have a different relationship with you guys, I could have happily lived with that moment being my only interaction with you because it was so great and I think that's such an important thing. Like, I wish I had the words and I don't think I ever will, but thank you. Thank you so much. Genuinely, that means like a lot. We'll always be at Elsie Abingdon. And (laughs) thanks for being you guys and for being great because you rock. And to Ash too, who's not here, but you rock to Ash. (laughs) Yeah, he does send his love, by the way. He does. Bless him. We'll put a little voice memo in from him here. Hi, it's Ash here from the Midnight Beast. Thanks for listening to episode four of Stand By Me. Now, I've been dragged away from polishing my friend's Oscars to conclude this episode. What can I say? There were highs, there were lows, there were goofs and gaffs, tears and laughs. What a ride. If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you tune in next year for even more illuminating chats between fans and artists. Lots of love, Papa Horn. Bye. (laughs) 